just something magical, I think, about climbing trees. I did a lot of travelling. I was looking at all sorts of buildings, and, and when I came back to Australia, I thought, geez, I'm going to make something like that. Welcome to Somewhere Else, the podcast that chats to people living in weird and wonderful ways. Each episode, your hosts, Domain Editors January Jones and Rose Donoghue, interview someone who's ditched the white picket fence for the path a little less travelled. Rose, you're a homeowner. How handy are you around the apartment? January, I think moving into your first home that you actually own and can do things to does force you to be a bit more handy. I don't think I knew anything until I moved into my apartment, but suddenly I was having to fix burst pipes and install washing machines. And I think once you move into your own space, you and you also want to learn how to do things for yourself. Yeah, definitely. What so about you, you? So you can build some IKEA furniture? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm all right on the old flat pack. It's not my favourite thing in the world. <laughs> it is a real test, isn't it? Definitely. I think certain people are more interested in making change. Like I can't imagine myself. I'd love to be able to like build a deck or something one day, but I don't think I'm really, I'm really up to it yet. <laughs> I know what you mean. But today's guest is Boinga Bob. Boinga Bob is 79 and lives in a tree house he started building in 1992 after buying an old station master's house in Warburton, Victoria. Inspired by different cultures and a lifetime of travel, Bob's home is a living piece of art and attracts visitors from all over the world. Bob, thanks for speaking to us. Oh, thank you. Bob, you've built tree houses all over the world, from Alaska to Maui to Warburton. Tell us why tree houses. Well, they're not always specifically tree houses, but I do a lot of creative work, and um, and if I'm with people that I enjoy, I, I like to create something. And I was living up in Alaska on Cassiano Island off Sitka, and um, a very nice friend called John Marr and his lady Melinda, they they wanted me to babysit the house because they were building their 76-foot-long yacht in Port Townsend. So I agreed to babysit the house, and then, um, but I rebuilt the whole place without them knowing it because it was so beautiful. And immediately I started knocking out walls and windows, and I'd, I'd look out to all these little bays and be humpback whales coming in and, and dolphins. You'd see the American eagles flying, and then I'd, I'd go out in a, like, I had two boats. There was a pinky. Was a motorboat and with a cabin cruiser. I could go around picking up timber from all the different islands, and I'd I'd take it back to, to where I was, and I I rebuilt the just about the whole house. And, and what was their response when they came back from their uh, holiday, well, and you'd the, rebuilt the, it? Blake was in tears, but he was very happy because happy tears it was what they always wanted. But I I did it because I wanted to express myself, and so if I'm with people I enjoy, I usually like to make to make something, and I. I did it a couple of years back in Cambodia. I was living on the island of Rong Samalong and I immediately started carving things there as well and making things for people's buildings. Wow. So can you tell us about the first treehouse you built? How old were you? Probably I would have been quite young. It was at my mother's place and I built a little thing in the backyard and I used to, I've always liked to climb trees and I used to go bird nesting getting eggs. I wouldn't do it now though. I don't <laughs> like to hurt a bird or an egg. I wouldn't kill anything. But I'd, I'd go up a big tree and I had, had my own idea. I've always been a bit inventive and I had a box full of uh, cotton wool and with a parachute in it, it was pure silk parachute and I'd go up and climb the tree and I'd put the eggs in the box and I'd float them down by parachute. So 
Oh, that, wow. I, that I get myself down somehow. <laughs> There's something quite magical about tree houses, though. I remember as a kid, I didn't have one, but I always loved, you know, you'd go climbing trees and you'd always love that idea of having some house up above everything else looking down. Is there is there something about that to it? Oh, just something magical, I think, about climbing trees. And um, look, I, I did a lot of travelling. I was looking at all sorts of buildings and like I really admire other people's creativity and and when I came back to Australia, I thought, geez, I'm going to make something like that. I, I spent a lot of time up in Nepal, up on Everest, and you know, hiking in the Himalaya and whipping up Mount Kilimanjaro and all those places in northeast and west Africa. And So when I eventually got back to Australia, I thought, well, I, I'm going to make something. So in those days, Warburton was a bit like a ghost town. There was sort of um, no people going up, and I started building it. Attracted a lot of people, a lot of tourists and things. And so luckily for me, the council kept a blind eye on me for many, many years because was attracting tourists and things like that. And so and before people start getting any ideas or getting inspired by your story, Bob, you went to uni and you had a, you got a degree in engineering, is that uh, right? Yeah, I, I did it originally electrical engineering. Yep. Then I did a postgraduate in heating and ventilation and air conditioning, refrigeration engineering. Yep. Then I did a master's degree in systems engineering and I picked up a scholarship for doctorate and I was completing the, the doctorate but I troubled at, the, at RMIT with the politics and things and so I thought Christ didn't have a doctorate nor did Buddha, I don't need one. <laughs> so I got my butt on an aircraft and I ended up in the United States and then I went up into Alaska and I did a building up in Alaska and I had a ball and was like um, absolute magic, and you've been building ever since. Ever since, yeah, I, I love building. It's, but I get totally consumed by looking at nature, all the fractals, the trees, the plants, the birds, the, the way the fractals fronds out, and everything in this life, all the birds, plants, animals, and trees—they're all based on fractals. And um, but I, I like to observe the fractals. And so you've travelled all over the world. What do you think are some of the countries that have inspired you the most? Uh, well, definitely Nepal. I love the Himalayan architecture, the big chunky wood and all the shapes they put in their material. And um, yeah, and certainly Tibet. I, I travelled, I went to Lhasa and I went up to, to Mount Everest. I did the Mount Kailash walk, went up to Everest Base Camp, then beyond up to Advanced Base Camp. And I've been lucky to do all those things. Although it's, a, it's a bit hard now. I've had both heaps replaced. Bob, I want to ask you a bit about the community in Warburton. Yeah. How did they respond when you first started building the treehouse? Uh, well, they were very, very interested, but there was not a very big community. The place was almost like a ghost town. And um, so when I started building it, um, people started coming back to Warburton and there was quite a you know, a big row of people coming. And there was articles you know, appearing in newspapers and things like that. Did you build the treehouse completely by yourself or did you have some help? Uh, well, I did most of it by myself. I got a bit of help sometimes. And how did you come up with the design? Because um, it's so unique. Well, that's a good question. A lot of people ask me, where do your ideas come from? And in return, I ask them, I say, well, where do your ideas come from? I, but I, I, I don't know. I get visions. I see things and I, I just go and make it. I don't think about it too much. I just make it. But I'm very fond of fractals. I really like to get into fractals because that's what they call the thumbprint of God. What's God? I think nothing specifically, but everything potentially. 
Art is such a big part of your house as well. How do you incorporate art and artworks and things like that? Oh, it just happens automatically. Like Paul goes away for a couple of days and comes back. I'm sure I would have made something, something quite substantial sometimes. So, so you make a lot of it yourself? I do, yeah. Fantastic. Well, at, at the moment, it's a lot of restoration going on. And the whole property, my intention is to do it up, to make it magnificent. Then as a legacy, I'm leaving it to the community. We've set up a trust and um, that gives me a good reason to keep living as well. well I, mean, I enjoy living, but it's good to do things you enjoy doing. And, and the communities are very, like, a few years back when I had the trouble with the council, I was going to pack up and leave. And the whole community backed up and said, please don't leave, we like you being here and uh, no, we'll support you. And then a group of people opened up on Facebook, Save Boringer Bob's House. I think there's about two and a half thousand people on there now. Well, it's lovely because you've obviously become a bit of a tourist attraction and you've told us that you get visitors from all over the world. I do, regularly. And, I mean, it's good for me because it reminds me of my travels. I... No, I, I, I get people dropping in from East Africa. You're listening to Somewhere Else, the podcast about people living in weird and wonderful ways. So we've got Paul Mack here, who has been central to helping Bob restore his treehouse. Paul, can you tell us a bit about how you got involved with Bob's project? Uh, a couple of years ago, I saw a Channel 7 um, news report and it was on the Save Boinga, Boinga Bob's House project. Council were coming along and saying that it was you know, some significant weathering happening to the, the project. Bob had been through one hip surgery and a quadruple bypass at that point, so he was unable to really maintain the project as he had been doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, just uh, I reached out to Bob and said, you know, look, do you need a hand here? And he said, yeah, come on up. And, and we sort of clicked on that very first day, and we've been, been friends ever since. Um, and so, uh, council have issued a, a number of make good orders, uh, for parts of the structure that had, had weathered or, uh, needed replacing. Bob mentioned the electrical, uh, wiring, there was some restumping that needed to happen. Uh, a number of things to make safe for all of the, the wonderful friends and visitors that do come to the property. And I guess to keep the structure standing as well, really, does that, that's what you'd be helping with as well. You've got a carpentry background, is that correct? Sure, I'm carpenter by trade, been in the building industry for uh, most of my life. And um, yeah, now I'm in a, in a position to be able to help out at a community level and I've come in on, on that, that basis. Um, a lot of the work Bob does, um, it will weather over time, so we're looking at products to seal it and protect it, And uh, but there will always be an ongoing maintenance aspect to preserving that work of art, yeah. And it seems as though the whole community has sort of pulled together to try and help save Boinga Bob's house. Do you think he's the sort of character that really draws people in? Absolutely, Rose, yeah. Um, you know, if you guys come up to the property, you'll see the work of art that he's done and the inspiration that comes from it is, is just amazing. We read out young Jesse's letter before, but I see families with children coming in every day and, and the kids are just like, wow, you can be a grown-up and do cool stuff like this. And uh, and adults are like, yeah, like, I remember I used to paint. I remember I used to do this. I'm going to go home and do that. They're all inspired when they leave with this amazing work of art. Has it inspired you as well? Totally, yeah. I've actually added some artwork into the project and uh, really enjoying the restoration aspect of it. And, 
taking you know some of the old art and, and revitalizing it revamping it and uh, and representing it in a different light and uh, of course I've got uh, Bob as artistic overseer and engineer um, so there's always a little bit of oversight and direction with that as well. I like how you refer to it as a work of art because it is it really isn't it it's not mm. just a house it's it is really a work of art it's mm. so central and do you think that's what attracts people to it? I think people are attracted to it because it's so different. There's nothing like it anywhere else. I've not seen anything like it anywhere. Uh, and I hear that echoed over and over again. Uh, and because of, of that quirky sort of nature, the way Bob melds things together, and nobody has ever seemed to have thought of this type of work or, or you know, art form before. Um, there's a book written, uh, uh, Dr. Chris James uh, wrote, about Robert Prudhoe's life and out, being an outsider artist. She coined the term because there was no term to describe really Bob's art, yeah. And so what's the future for Bob's treehouse? What's next on the horizon? Um, well, I, I recognised straight away that it was something that was really unique and was worth preserving and, and looking after. Um, you know, Bob's getting on in years. He's still got plenty of bounce in, in, his, in his spirit. We've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but he needs a hand on the project to maintain it and, and keep it in good stead. So uh, we've got a really nice, neat little core team of uh, of people helping out on the project. Um, we're forming a trust uh, at the moment, uh, so that when Bob passes over, he'll leave the the house and the project to the community. It'll be administered under a trust and. Uh, not-for-profit sort of organisation where we'll, we'll seek funding and, and money to maintain and upkeep it so that future generations can enjoy it. That's fantastic and, and really inspiring and I think the community is so lucky to have you there helping and so lucky to have Bob. Yeah, it's great to be a part of this project, Jenny. kind of find out about you or how did that how did that grow oh, word, word of mouth and things like that and there are stories in the newspapers and um even the um yarra rangers council they were interviewed um person called james martin was his name at the time 2002 and he was the chief spokesperson for the yarra rangers council and 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 at the time he said well no bob's works the, the work that we like in the Arrow Rangers, and 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 then I, I felt like the, the council were promoting my work, so I got even more fired up than ever, and, and started, people, knocked out more walls and windows and rebuilt things. And did people start just knocking on your door? How do they come and see you? Do you have a telephone? Uh, well, often they do knock on the door, and sometimes I've got the gates tied, and they still come in. They get over the gate, or they. Find another way, but I meet so many lovely people. Though I mean, so you're happy to we're see all part them of one humanity. Well, I I love to meet people, but sometimes you need to have a bit of quiet space so you can um, do your own thing. And so within reason, you like you you like your visitors, but sometimes I, I, I you love, need a I bit love of, people. A bit of quiet. I love time. travelling and I like to meet people. So Bob, you've actually you've brought in a letter that a little boy called Jesse wrote you recently. Do you mind if I read it out? I oh, please. Uh, I mean, I've I felt very honoured to get such a nice letter. Dear Bob, I'm so grateful for what happened that awesome day. It was a dream come true for me. I was so inspired by your creation and would love to visit again. I will try to help as much as I can in your workshop. Maybe one day, just maybe, this story could be passed down for generations from Jesse. And he's done you a beautiful drawing with a boy in a sort of hippie-looking T-shirt with a peace sign. Very nice. 
What? So you say you've got a lot of visitors. Do you remember Jesse coming and the help he gave uh, you? Well, I don't actually. I don't. I've, I've written to him and said, no, come back again because I forget what he looked like. I can't remember. But So that must mean you have so many visitors. Well, I, I get lots and lots of visitors. I mean, sometimes I go out from my kitchen and I might have to walk into the bathroom and I go back into the house and there could be 20 people in there sometimes from, from Indonesia. They can be half of India can be there and... Do you ever think of charging people? Oh, no. Well, there's a donation box there, and I, I, I'm very grateful for any donations. Well, that's, no, my, my intention, as I've mentioned, I want to fix the house up. I want to make it magnificent no, for the Warburton people, the community, for the visitors, and I want to leave it as a legacy to our community to f- promote the arts in Warburton and everywhere. And what do you feel like the house is missing at the moment? Um, well, it's it's all coming together. We're getting the garden together now and there's a lot going on at the moment up there and we're making a complete new house under the house. That's all been dug out and got rooms there. and Underground. It's going to be a craft area. You'll probably make a recording studio there as well. And we, we, you can come and I can interview there. You there. Yeah, <laughs> you can turn the mics on us. We'll do a podcast. <laughs> now, now, this is a very practical question, Bob, yeah. but how do you heat and cool your house? How do I cool it? Yeah, and heat it. Do you get cold? Uh, well, I've got a wood fire in the lounge room and we gradually try to fix up leaks in the structure. And Paul's very good at helping me do that, blocking up all the holes and things. Um, um, summertime... It, it never gets that hot in my place, but next summer we're going to have a ball under my house because it's a complete new area. It's beautiful. It's um, all cool and be like a refrigerator down there. Bob, you've had an incredible life and you've travelled to many places. Are you ever going to stop travelling? Um, well, I love travelling and I, I'd like to continue travelling. And and there's different ways of travelling. You can do it physically in an aeroplane and nicking off to Peru and running through the jungle and chasing mosquitoes. Or no, you you can do it in your own mind as well. You can you can go places in your mind. And so you've travelled so much and you've built so many homes. What does home mean to you? Uh, well, home's a, a place that you can feel comfortable in, and uh, it's a place that can fascinate your own mind. So I'm always tinkering around with new things. There's a big thing going on with lights, lighting at the moment. And um, I'd like to have a, a place that people can come into and um, at least find something interesting in there. How, do you, think, how do you think your life might have been different if you hadn't have lived in a treehouse? Um, yeah, well, I might have been in the box like a lot of people. I don't want to go in the box. And, <laughs> So I've kept out of the box all my life. Firmly outside of and, the box. And I intend to stay out of the box. And people have tried to put me in there, but they're not going to do it. Bob, you've lived an amazing life. I feel like we could talk to you for hours. But if people want to find out more about the Treehouse, where can they find you? Uh, if you look up on Facebook, um, Save Boinger Bob's House, I'd be very <laughs> grateful for any help at all. Thanks for coming in. You must come and visit me one day at Warburton. You'd be very welcome. Yeah, we definitely Thanks, will. Thanks, Bob. Should do that. This has been Somewhere Else, a podcast by Domain. Please remember to subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes. And tell your mum, send us to a friend. It's how we get the word out. We'll chat to you soon, somewhere else. Somewhere else.